Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hello there. Welcome back. This is going to be for Acts chapter 2. I'll read the heading. Spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost. Peter testifies of Jesus' resurrection. He tells how to gain salvation and speaks of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Many believe and are baptized. Pentecostal outpourings of the Spirit have occurred many times in many dispensations. One of these great Latter-day Pentecostal periods was in connection with the dedication of the Kirtland Temple. For a period of weeks, the visions of eternity were open to many. Angels visited in in the congregations of the saints. The Lord himself was seen by many, and tongues and prophecy were multiplied. On March 27, 1836, a Sunday, in the dedicatory service itself, an almost exact repetition of the events of the New Testament day of Pentecost took place. Brother George A. Smith arose and began to prophesy. The prophet recorded when a noise was heard like the sound of a rushing mighty wind, which filled the temple, and all the congregation simultaneously arose, being moved upon by an invisible power. Many began to speak in tongues and prophesy. Others saw glorious visions, and I beheld the temple was filled with angels, which fact I declared to the congregation. The people of the neighborhood came running together, hearing an unusual sound within and seeing a bright light like a pillar of fire resting upon the temple, and were astonished at what was taking place. Verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, when they were all with one accord in one place. Now this is the feast of, uh, this is 50 days after the feast of Passover. Uh, the feast of Pentecost was kept. During those 50 days, the harvest of corn was being gathered in. It is called the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, and the feast of weeks. The feast lasted a single day, which was a day of holy convocation, and the characteristic rite was the new meal offering, that is, two loaves of leavened bread made of fine flour of new wheat. Special animal sacrifices were also made and free will offerings. The festival was prolonged in later times and huge numbers of Jews attended it. Of this, the narrative in Acts 2 is sufficient proof. It had the same evil reputation as the feast of the Passover for tumults and massacres. We have no record of the celebration of this feast in the Old Testament. That was out of the Bible Dictionary. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it rested upon each of them. This same visible appearance of heaven-sent fire had been, has been manifest to the Lord's saints on other special occasions. After the baptism of the Nephite twelve, the Holy Ghost did fall upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and behold, they were encircled about as if it were by fire. And it came down from heaven, and the multitude did witness and did bear record, and angels did come down out of heaven and did minister unto them. Back to Acts 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Joseph F. Smith taught, Not one of the disciples possessed sufficient light, knowledge, nor wisdom at the time of the crucifixion for either exaltation or condemnation, for it was afterward that their minds were opened to understand the Scriptures and that they were endowed with power from on high, without which they were only children in knowledge in comparison to what they afterwards became under the influence of the Spirit. 
In our own dispensation, the dedication of the Kirtland Temple parallels the events of the day of Pentecost. Probably more Latter-day Saints beheld visions and witnessed other unusual spiritual manifestations than during any other era in the history of the Church. There were reports of saints beholding heavenly beings at ten different meetings held during that time. At eight of these meetings, many reported seeing angels while the saints were thus communing with heavenly hosts. Many prophesied, some spoke in tongues, and others received the gift of interpretation of tongues. Verse 5, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. The people were from sixteen surrounding provinces and countries, and so they're going to be speaking different languages. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. This is the purpose of the gift of tongues. It is not just to display a wondrous manifestation, but it is so foreigners may hear the gospel in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these men speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in his own tongue, in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Meso- in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phy- Phy- Phrygia and Pamphylia and in Egypt and the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues in the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. This is Peter's first recorded talk since becoming president of the church. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, meaning it's only nine in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In Peter's day, it was a partial fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. The fullness would be seen in the latter days. Verse 17, And it came to, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. The Spirit to be poured out in abundant measure upon all flesh in the last days is not the Holy Ghost, but the light of Christ. The gift of the Holy Ghost is reserved for the saints. He is the Spirit whom the world cannot receive. The light of Christ is the Spirit that proceeds forth from the presence of God to fill the immensity of space. This Spirit has been shed forth in great, greater measure in modern times than before in, earth, in earth's history. Visions and revelation come, however, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the light of Christ, the all-pervading, universally present Spirit, is the vehicle used by the Holy Ghost to operate and function to all the world. That is, the Holy Ghost uses the light of Christ to manifest His power and make available His gifts to all men, everywhere at one and the same time. Joseph F. Smith said, The Holy Ghost is a personage of spirit, can no more be omnipresent in person than can the Father or the Son, but by his intelligence, his knowledge, his power and influence, over and through the laws of nature, he is and can be omnipresent throughout all the works of God. Thus, when it becomes necessary to speak to us, he is able to do so by acting through the other spirit, that is, through the light of Christ. Verse 18, And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable or glorious day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is from Joel. 
And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. That sounds a lot like the last days, doesn't it? Down to verse 22 of, of Acts 2. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the, deter, by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up, having loosed the, ban- the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in prison, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of, gl- of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Peter here is saying that David's bones are still with us. He was not resurrected at the Lord's resurrection. He did not receive a celestial resurrection. The saints, those who had lived a celestial law from Adam to Christ, were with the Lord in his resurrection. Verse 30, Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with us with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. In other words, Jesus would be resurrected before his body began to decompose. Verse 32, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being being by, or to, or at the right hand of God, exalted. And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. Since Jesus became exalted, he must have been sealed to a wife, as required in Doctrine and Covenants section 132. Verse 34, For David is not ascended into the heavens. David has fallen from his exaltation, we learn in section 132. David's wives and concubines were given unto him of me by the hand of Nathan my servant, and others of the prophets who had held, who had the keys of this power. And in none of these things did he sin, except in the case of Uriah and his wife. And therefore he hath fallen from his exaltation, and received his portion. And he shall not inherit them out of the world, for I gave them unto another, saith the Lord. The prophet Joseph Smith said, Peter had the keys of eternal judgment, and he saw David in hell and knew for that for what reason, and that David would have to remain there until the resurrection at the coming of Christ. Even David must wait for those times of refreshing before he can come forth and his sins be blotted out. For Peter, speaking of him, says, David hath not yet ascended into heaven, for his sepulcher is with us to this day. His remains were then in the tomb. Now we read that many bodies of the saints arose at Christ's resurrection, probably all the saints, but it seems that David did not. Why? Because he had, a, he had been a murderer. That was by Joseph Smith. 
Verse 35, until I make thy foes thy footstool, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter lays the blame for Jesus' crucifixion on the Jews as a nation, not on Pilate, who passed the sentence, not on the Roman soldiers who drove the nails, but on Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, the priests, and the Jewish mob, which chanted, crucify him, crucify him. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If the callings of God extend unto us, we come within the purview of Peter's promise." And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation, or crooked generation. Peter is teaching the first principles and ordinances of the gospel, faith in Christ, repentance, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Besides the 12 and the 70, there could have been many priesthood bearers available to perform these 3,000 baptisms. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and all that and all these things, and they had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. The early saints attempt to live a form of the law of consecration. All things common did not mean that everyone pooled all the resources and shared everything in common, all having equal amounts. It meant that every person and family had an equality according to their needs, and that was by in verse by verse. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be served. I'm wondering if it mentions that they're going house to house if they changed uh, their meeting place so that they couldn't be found out by the Romans or by the Jews. Uh, just wondering. Just that, just that thought just occurred to me. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter for today, and we'll see you next time. Bye.